I'm a big Wilson fan. Um, those of you who listen to the pod will know I brought him in like a few weeks ago before the hype. So, so yeah, now y'all are getting to it. And I, I fear that it's going to repeat. The Vadi situation will repeat. Vadi was doing good for me until all of you guys brought him in and then boom, Vadi blanks for a few weeks in a row. <laughs> I fear that with all the attention Wilson is getting, he's going to start to blank now. Hello everyone and welcome back to the FPL Banger Podcast. This is the Game Week 12 preview and I'm Siva. I'm joined once again by Sam. How's the break been, Sam? Well, it's been good, I think. A nice week uh, to recharge. I didn't look at international football at all, right? Just needed a break. So it's been good. I felt like I had so much time last weekend, you know. Didn't know what to do with it. So that means you're completely oblivious, Sam, to the fact that Harry Kane is now going to win the Ballon d'Or this year and uh, Raul Jimenez played in 15 foot of snow in Canada last night. You've just missed all of it. Huh? You missed the fact that Jorginho missed a third straight penalty for Italy, which means that Lukaku has to take the next pen for Chelsea. Did you see any of that? I didn't see it, but I did read about it the next day. If you posted about it, Siva, then I saw it. <laughs> and... You know, with all this sort of international football, and I, we always talk about it every time there's a break and you always tell me that you don't really think too much about international football. You don't let it cloud your judgment and all that. But the fact that Kane has scored seven goals, right? Has, has that, did that move you in any way? Well, there's a, there's a good stat about that. Um, I don't know if you've, any of you follow this Instagram page called Bad Football Opinions, but he did post about this, um, about this Kane issue. So Kane already has 20 goals and assists in 22 games in all competitions this season. Sounds like, you know, he's on form, doing well, but actually he has only scored one goal in the Premier League so far. So I think, um, proves my point. International form doesn't mean anything, so I don't care about international form at all. (laughs) Okay, so with that start, uh, do we need to go over what we got last week? I I got 60, Hugh got 59 after hits. I mean... Fairly boring scores, nothing really to shout about. Both had Cancelo. I had Trent, you had Reese James. Anything you want to tell us about specifically, Sam? Yeah, I mean, I just want to say I've been really unlucky with my transfers. This week, I decided, you know, I'm going to double up on Chelsea defence, the most solid defence. I took Diaz out for Chiwell. Lo and behold, Chelsea concedes some fluky goal from Bendy, like a sweaty, sweaty goal. Last week, I took out Gallagher. Um, and then, you know, he goes on a big call against City. I've not been on a good run with transfers. Is it luck or skill though, Sam? Because, you know, you brought in a Chelsea defender when you, a United fan, knew your team was not going to score in a month of Sundays playing against Man City. I mean, I, I could have watched that game for another two days and you wouldn't have had another shot on target. It's true, but I thought um, the attacking threat um, that Chilwell can bring against DS. I thought both of them had a good chance for a clean sheet. I mean, Chelsea's playing Burnley, man. But, you know, Burnley things happen. I, I, I really think Burnley low-key are sort of finding their, their groove again. Start of the season, they're really poor, right? But they're starting to find their, their way. They smashed Brentford. A point at Chelsea, defying all XGs. Exactly the kind of thing that Burnley do each season. I'm pretty, you know, scared that people are looking at targeting Burnley as an easy fixture. I'm starting to think that that time has quickly passed. That may be so, but, you know, it's still Chelsea. You would have expected them to keep a clean sheet, I think. I mean, to be fair, I think with Chelsea, they've had a lot of semi-fair uh, fortunate clean sheets. I think the Brentford match particularly comes to mind. So it's sort of, you know, luck- lucky balancing up. Hey, 60-59, we both got green arrows. Who cares? You bench Ben Foster, Sam. Just, do you, how do you feel about benching the cycling GK for 11 points? Well... I have Ram still, so it's not too bad, right? He had seven, so that's just four points. If I had Sanchez, I would be kicking myself, which I think a lot of you guys out there are in that position, so I won't say too much. Yeah, mate, I own Sanchez. Let's move on. Let's not talk about it. I, I honestly had no interest in watching Brighton Newcastle, and then because it's it takes it started like late at night for where we are, and I thought, okay, I'm about to go to bed. Let me just, let, you know, let's see what's going on. Oh, it's it's one one. Okay, never mind. No clean sheet. You know, that's all right. And then I kept watching. Okay, last five minutes, maybe Brighton score a late goal. And then Sanchez. 
it's so annoying because what he did is perfect for the team, right? He had to take one for the team. But it's such a stupid... It's such a stupid red card to concede. And the worst part is, I imagine... Okay, you have Callum Wilson, Sam. Yeah, that's the worst part, okay? <laughs> I know you're not going to mention it, but he robbed nine points from Callum Wilson. Because you know if Callum Wilson scores, he's getting three bonus points. Nine <laughs> points he stole from me. But be glad, Sam. Imagine if you own Sanchez and Wilson. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been the worst. You just want to delete your team right then. All right, let's 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 move into questions. Okay, so what are we talking about this week? We are talking about Spurs, okay? We went off, we came back. Everybody wants Spurs this week. So we'll talk about Spurs. We'll talk about Kane. We'll talk about Sun. We'll also get into budget mints. Oh, budget mints are all the rage now because there's no value up top. There's no value. Everyone's figured out the defense that they want anyway. So let's talk about budget mints. There's some variety there. And... We'll also run some quick-fire questions about priority transfers in this week. So many people you could go for. Foden, Jota, the Spurs guys, Gallagher, Wilson. And then finally, we'll just wrap up with captaincy, which maybe we'll have a conversation about captaincy this week, Sam. I'd like to think so anyway. Let's start off with Spurs. And our first question here is from FPL Bagus. What change do you see in Spurs' formation and play under Conte as compared to Nuno? And apart from Sun and Kane... Do you think Spurs wingbacks are worthy picks? Reguilon, or is even Ben Davies being overlooked? So, just to start off, right, let's just talk about the obvious picks from Spurs first. Harry Kane and Son, very popular transfers in this week. And I think that the general theory that you're getting everywhere is that people say, you look at your structure, what fits you, if you can get a premium forward like Kane, that's great because you can swap into Ronaldo later. Other people are saying get Son in. Just to start off with some stats, right, they didn't have a great game against Everton. And neither you nor I, Sam, owned any Spurs assets. And we did say we wanted to wait one week and see what would happen. They posted 0.8 XG and they didn't have a single shot on target. Two weeks after that international break, most of the players have gone away. A couple have stayed behind like Reguilon. But for the most part, Kane, Son have all been away. What do you think has changed? And does that do we have to go in now with the leads next? I'm actually really surprised um, that so many people are, are going into Spurs assets this week. Because I think if you watch the game, and even if you didn't watch the game and you just look at the stats, nothing from that previous game indicates that now is the time to go in. You know, they had a horrible game. No shots on targets, barely any chances created, bad XG. They didn't look good. So in my opinion, the only takeaway I got from the game is maybe we should wait a bit longer than I thought we would. You know, I thought we could wait one, two weeks, see how it goes. But it seems like we may have to wait a bit longer. So I'm kind of surprised that everyone is you know, going in so strongly. I know they have good fixtures and I guess that's what's um, swaying people. But I would much rather bring in, you know, other assets than Spurs assets right now. Okay, so I know you said you don't really pay too much attention to international form. But just... For the sake of context, Kane had seven goals and assists during the break. Sun scored. Ben Davies scored for Wales. Bergwijn, goal and assist. And in fact, that's the goal that took Netherlands to the World Cup. Pretty good goal, actually. Uh, Loris kept in two clean sheets for France. Romero also played really well in the first game, got injured in the second game, so now he's a doubt. Do you have any sort of, lend any sort of support to the notion that because Conte is a world-class manager, and this is what I keep hearing, I've been listening to shows this week, and the suggestions, the, the general narrative seems to be that Conte is a world-class manager and therefore he will get this team performing. I personally don't think Leeds is the easiest fixture because I thought they were really solid against Leicester. I think it was the best performance of the season so far. And hence, I don't feel as confident as I would have maybe a week ago about trying to attack Leeds. W- what do you think is the source of people's confidence about it? I think uh, it's that, like you said, the misconception that Leeds is a weak team. Because they were poor defensively earlier in the season. But I think in the past few weeks, they are slowly becoming more and more solid. Especially if um, Marcus Lorente is back, right? Diego Lorente, mate. <laughs> Cut that part out. Especially if Diego Lorente is back. Because uh, he really changes the whole defense. You know, They are much more solid with him in the team. So like you said, Leeds is not as easy a fixture as people think. But people just see that, you know, that, that four green arrows coming up and they see the international form and they think Conte. Now, I do think Conte is a great manager. I think he will be able to whip this um, Spurs team into shape in time. But, you know, two weeks, three weeks, 
And although he had, you know, this two weeks break, most of his players were on international duty, which means he can't do his uh, his training with them to try and adopt his tactics, you know, play the way that he wants. So I really think it will take time. The Spurs team themselves are kind of short on world-class players as well. So, you know, we'll see how they go in the January transfer window and things like that. I'm not expecting much from Spurs in these next few weeks yet. And I think... Um, I'm not looking at Spurs assets for now. I'm looking elsewhere. But, you know, definitely keeping an eye on them. Okay. I'd also say that Adam Forshaw returned for Leeds uh, against Leicester. It was his first start, I think, in almost two years. And he started alongside Calvin Phillips. Uh, He brought a lot more defensive solidity to the midfield, which was evident in the performance. I Still, you would expect Spurs to win that game, but it probably is going to be a close one. And I think the fact that most people, from what I've seen, are not even interested in captaining Kane, even though they want to bring Kane in. Same for Sun. Suggests that everybody's sort of hedging their bets this week. And that's for, I think, I'm with you, Sam. I don't think it's a priority transfer in this week. It does seem like we're in the minority here, but that's just how we feel about it. And I really have no issues in waiting one more week. I think there are better fixtures to come. And by then, hopefully, we'll get a better sense of where this team is at. Because everybody keeps talking about 3-4-3, 3-5-2, all these formations Conte may play. Conte didn't start 3-4-3 at Chelsea until his 6th or 7th game in. So he looks for what will work. There is no guarantee. And we didn't really see it against Everton that Reguillon and Emerson Royal are going to be amazing wingbacks. And that's to come back to FPL Boggs' question about targeting Spurs' defence. I'm sorry but if this seems indecisive, but I still don't know. All the things that I'd read about Reguillon from Spurs fans was he can't cross and he can't finish. And that's exactly what I saw against Everton. Great movement, getting into good spaces but he was missing good chances. And that sort of lines up with what I've heard from Spurs fans. So I'm not sure that he turns into this amazing wingback overnight. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, everyone who's going into Spurs now, are just it's just a case of FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. You, you're worried that they're going to start hauling big so you want to get them in. If you have been listeners of this pod, you will know. And I always wait for form first before bringing them in. You could criticize that and say that I'm more reactive than proactive, but I feel that this is a better strategy in FPL. You know, you wait for the players to show some kind of form because you can have easy fixtures, but if your team is not informed, you you will not perform well in those fixtures. So, Yeah, and I mean, I know we're being negative on Spurs, but the last thing I would say is this. Underlying data, yes, it was under Nuno, but it's really, really poor. I mean, you can't even sugarcoat this, right? If I were to compare non-pen XG and expected assists per 90 between Jota, Foden, Ronaldo, Reese James, Sun and Kane. Okay, so I'm taking a random set of players. You've got guys like Jota and Foden who are doing well. Ronaldo, maybe not so much. Reese James, who is a defender. And then Sun and Kane. Sun and Kane are bottom of the list. Kane has 0.43 non-pen XG and expected assists. Sun is 0.44. For context, Jota has 0.88. He basically has the same as them combined. Foden has 0.73. Ronaldo, supposedly underperforming, has 0.59. Reese James, who's a defender, has 0.58. I find it hard to make a case for somebody like Harry Kane, whose underlying numbers are comparable with Ivan Tony. Not saying Kane's not a great player, not saying that he's going to be, he's washed up, but I just haven't seen it yet. And I would like to see some indication that he's coming back. For Spurs, the quality of opposition during international break, I'm sorry, but you just have to look at the team sheet. If you can name one player in the starting lineup for San Marino or Albania, I can name one for Albania, the keeper, who plays for Roma. That's it. I don't know any of these people. How can you judge a player based on that kind of opposition? I really just don't see how. Yeah, I have nothing to add to that. Okay. So I think we are, we are in agreement with Spurs. Okay, and if they win 6 don't please you know, send your complaints to Sam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on, right? Since we were talking about defenders and Region and Royale, uh, that relates to the next question I wanted to look at, which is Karthik's question, long-time listener of the pod. On a wildcard, is it time to move slowly away from big at the back to cheaper differentials like Tarek Lamptey or Emerson Royale? Now, once again, just look at underlying data before we get into the, the meat of the question. Emerson Royale's underlying data is not great. Although I will say I test, just watching him against Everton, I felt like he was a little more convincing. And even against Vitesse in Conte's first game, he looked a bit more comfortable with what he needed to do as a wingback per se, compared to Region. But it's such small sample sizes, and the underlying data for both is poor. Emerson uh, Royal has 0.03 expected assists per 90. Region has 0.13. 
For comparison, Livermento has 0.14, Shaw has 0.15. Lamptey, it's unfair to compare because his minutes are really limited, but he's already got 0.23 expected uh, assists as well as expected goals, which just shows the threat that he has in both areas. And we know from last season, Tarek Lamptey has always got a decent goal threat in him. But you've got a pretty settled defense, Sam, right? I think you've got the dream defense. You've got all the big guys. You've got James, no, I Chilwell. I don't have Trent. Ah, okay. So, that, okay, that's a good point because that's part of my question here, okay? The template dream defense, from what I can see, is James, Chilwell, Trent, uh, Cancelo, and typically Livermento. That's sort of the dream. Do you think it's time to move away from that? No, I think um, pick at the back works, right? These teams, they are keeping clean sheets and they are returning. Like um, Trent had a goal, you know, uh, Cancelo did well, two assists. Reese James has been returning, Shewell returning. So I, I don't see any reason to move away from it. I don't even know why um, it's on people's mind because if it's not broken, why change it? I guess you could say there's too much money tied up there, but that's a different conversation, right? So for me, I have Chilwell, James, Cancelo, and then Livra and Duffy. I feel that a rotation between um, Livramento and Duffy is good enough as a as a fourth defender if I need it. Or if I don't, if they're both having bad, then I'll just play three defenders, you know? I don't have Trent because of the emergence of Rhys James, actually. I felt my original plan was to go Chilwell, Cancelo and Trent. But with Rhys James as he is, I felt that he provides so much more value than Trent, especially since Liverpool is not so solid in terms of clean sheets. So so that's why I decided. And I think this breaks the template, right? Because I think most people have Trent. And previously, I have said that Trent is, um, you know, one of the best assets to have in the game. But yeah, just James changed my, changed my mind. I think that's perfectly understandable. I posted something today, I retweeted something from Sam FPL, looking at attacking defenders. Uh, from gimmick 1 to 11, he had this, uh, it's a chart. And basically, James and Trent are way above anybody else. That includes Cancelo as well for underlying data. In terms of attacking stats, James and Trent are way above the competition, well above Chilwell as well. I don't think any reason to change this now. Again, sounds kind of boring, but defense is the one area where we sort of know this is the template and it's working right now. It's actually in midfield and attack where we're all trying to look for a solution to problems. And I think if you found the settled defense, I would just leave that. Appreciate that people want funds for Kane. I would look elsewhere to get your funds. There's so much value in midfield. Conor Gallagher, Smith Rowe, Rafinha is still providing great value. Up front, I think Callum Wilson, even Huang Hee Chan. Defense, I wouldn't shortchange. In fact, I would look to get, you know, if you don't have this template defense, I still think there's time to get on it because you saw how much damage Trent could do last week. And how much damage James can do in the following weeks now that Lukaku's back in training. I honestly think that's the area you want to just cover it. They set and forget. You just get them in your team and you don't think about that place. Yeah. I think um, with defenders, right? Especially if you're spending big on defenders, you have to play a long-term kind of approach. You can't just look at the last last uh, two, three weeks and think like, oh, City only kept one clean sheet in the past three game weeks. I don't think they're worth it anymore. You have to think long-term, you know, because at the end of the season, they will have like, I don't know, close to what, 15, 16, 17, 18 clean sheets maybe. So I think long-term big in the back works, especially this season where defenders are so attacking, right? I don't remember the season where we had so many attacking defenders like this. I mean, uh, this is a very famous interview from, I think during international break where Tuchel has basically just come out and said that he looks at these wingbacks as midfielders, not as defenders. And I mean, the man, what more can he say to us? You know, so I think you just got to take him at his word. Yeah, you run the rotation risk, but these guys are putting in seven points on a bad week. So imagine what they do in a good week. Yep. Okay. And the last thing I would say is just, if you have a look at clean sheet odds, because I, I used to go cheap at the back all the time. I think before we got into this phase with uh, Trent and now these Chelsea fullbacks, I was more than happy to go cheap at the back. But I look at clean sheet odds this week. 62% for Man City against Everton. Understandable. Everton don't have an attack right now. United, 43%. Pinch of salt because Ole tax. Chelsea, 42%. Chelsea are third highest in a week that they play Leicester. Now you would think Leicester, okay? Top top five, top six team, whatever. That's a tough fixture. But Chelsea are there. They had ranked third odds on for clean sheet. And that just shows you how much confidence they have. I think Tuchel's got something crazy like 29 clean sheets in 48 games, if I'm not wrong. 
I just don't see the benefit in trying to bet against them. Yep, I agree. I know a lot of people are talking about Lemty though. Um, I think it's a bit of like nostalgia, right, from last year. I do want to say though that with his kind of injury, it takes some time to get back, especially if you are a you know fast player like he is, right? He's a, you know he's pacey, he's quick. This kind of injuries really affect um, the way you play at least for a while. So I'm not sure if he can get back to how he was last year. So I would hold back on Lamptey first for now, actually. I owned Tarek Lamptey last season and I really enjoyed that goal he scored at Spurs was, I think, one of the high points of my season. But I would like to see him get a consistent run of games. In the meantime, I'm sorry, but Valentino Livramento is putting on six pointers each week. I've benched probably half of them. This is really not a problem. Like, just, just play Livramento. He's playing Norwich this week. New manager bounce maybe, but against that Norwich on that right flank, I'm quite scared. I'm playing him. You know, and I just think you've been given such an easy solution here. This is not something I would overthink. Agreed, agreed. All right, Sam, let's let's try and find some things to disagree about because it's getting kind of boring, right? So let's talk about budget <laughs> mids and maybe here we'll find some disagreement. A few questions. Joseph Melvin, thoughts on budget mids, ESR, Gallagher, Corne, Bowen, and just going to throw Callum Hudson a doy there, short term. CFC Nick, pick only two out of Gallagher, Corne, Bowen, and ESR as well, he mentioned. And Asa149, should we look at Chelsea midfielders, Mount Barkley, RLC, so Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Harvards, and Callum Hudson-Odoi? Let's start off with the budget mates first, Sam. You owned Conor Gallagher, so I want, I want to come back to you. You owned Conor Gallagher and you talked about it earlier. You sold him a few weeks ago. Do you think he is the best budget mate? When you look at the fixtures, you look at the fact that he's just debuted for England. Is he the best budget yeah. mate right now? Okay. Very good question, Siva. <laughs> Especially relevant for me because I decided that this week is the week I will finally get rid of SAR um, to replace with another budget mid, right? So I think we have a few performing, like um, all the ones that I mentioned here. So I did do my research this week. At the top of my list, right, it's either Gallagher or ESR. These two are the, the best, right? So, but anyway, I'll, I'll go into Gallagher first. Um, I had Gallagher. He, you know, he had that run. He was doing well. I, I looked at him. Stats were great. I was like, okay, this is the guy. And then he went on this barren run, right? Not only in terms of FPL points, but even underlying stats. Against Brighton, he had 0xG, 0xA. After that, against Leicester, only 0.2xG. Against Arsenal, 0.1xG. Against Newcastle, 0xG, 0.1xA. So really dire stats. And at that point, I thought, okay, you know, things are not working. Uh, I'll take him out. Then he proceeds to have a goal and assist against City and a goal against Wolves. Against City, he had 0.4 XG and 0.6 XA. Against Wolves, he had 0.6 XG and 0.5 XA. So these are incredible stats, right? So I, you know, wanted to see why is it that during that period, you know, the stats weren't coming. He... He just, you know, weren't doing so well as he was before. And I realized it's because of Millie, actually. Um, when Patrick Vieira decided to start Millie um, in midfield, somehow I it affected Gallagher's output, both in terms of underlying stats outright. Just he wasn't playing as well as he did. And then he dropped Millie and brought back Coyote. So Coyote played as, a, as the base of the midfield three, for the first six, no, five games. And that's when Gallagher was doing well. Then he got dropped for Mili. That's when Gallagher started doing badly. Against City and Wolves, he comes back into the team and lo and behold, Gallagher has has been returning these those two games. So it seems that Gallagher's points is tied to whether Coyote starts or not. Uh, could be because Coyote provides more defensive cover, so he's more free to push up. Without Coyote, um, he has to drop back a bit. So it's not really that far forward. But yeah. So I think as long as Karate is fit, as long as Karate is starting, I don't see any reason why Gallagher... I mean, he's not going to score a goal every game, but the underlying stats is there. And I think that puts him head and shoulders above any other budget mid. Yeah, I just thought it was really interesting because you've looked into it and I've also wondered myself because I haven't owned Gallagher and I've been wanting to go in. And it's one of those things that if you didn't do any research, you didn't look at anything. If you just looked at base points, he's second... He's the second highest scoring mid and he's 5.8 million. I mean, if I didn't think about this anymore, I would have got him in, you know, yesterday. His fixtures are great going forward. 
But you talked about the the effect that Koyate has, the effect that Milivojevic has, and it initially it seems like it's just such a coincidence that he's doing well when uh, Milivojevic doesn't play. But now there's definitely some sort of link because it's it's lining up too perfectly. I I don't really understand it because set pieces are the one thing that comes to mind. Milivojevic takes set pieces off him, but these goals and assists aren't even coming from set pieces now. He's just scoring from open play. So maybe, like you say, Koyate gives better defensive cover. Coming to Smith Rowe, who I have, you know, been talking up Smith Rowe for the last few weeks. What do you think about Smith Rowe compared to Conor Gallagher? Smith Rowe's position doesn't seem to be affected by any sort of external factor. Yeah, I think um, Smith Rowe is really good. I really believe he's nailed now. He's maybe the best player in Arsenal right now. His stats are still lower than Gallagher, right? But not by much. Um, so XP per 90, Gallagher's at 0.28. Smith-Rowe's at 0.2. But then you have to take into account that Gallagher had a bunch of games where he had no 0, 0 XG, right? And then um, XA, Gallagher's still ahead, 0.22, 0.12. So I felt these are the two best budget mids. I considered them very closely. Then I think taking into account that you know Gallagher had that barren run of games, but if you take those out, his stats fly up even further. Plus he has really good fixtures coming up. A lot better than... Smith Rose uh, fixture. So my move for probably to get Gallagher back in. It's a bit hard for me to do because I just took him out two weeks ago. But I think in FPL sometimes you you gotta think um objectively, right? Not let your emotions come into it. So I'm just gonna, you know, bring him in, like look at it as a <laughs> fresh with a fresh slate, I guess. That's interesting, because I think a lot of people who own Gallagher aren't gonna bring him back in. And it's uh, I think it's good that you're keeping an open mind. I I think this week I wouldn't make a case for Smith Rowe. Uh, it's Liverpool. I don't. I wouldn't bank on any returns. But next week I think there's an argument to be had. So if you're not doing transfer this week, I would definitely look at it again next week. And I think you could argue the case for Smith Rowe because I think most Arsenal fans will tell you that the low XG comes a lot from the first few games of the season, and since then things have picked up. And also just the fact that his style of play is just arriving late in the box. It's not a coincidence that he's always, you know, there at the right time. He's making a habit of it. And that's just yeah. the style of play. He's on set pieces and we're becoming pretty good at set pieces as well. It's pretty much the same as Gallagher, actually. They are both, um, you know, um, I think on set pieces, if Mili doesn't play, they both make late runs into the box. They both actually have four goals and two assists. So really close. And I think there's really little to separate them, actually. I'm going for Gallagher because of fixtures, I think. Um, he has easier fixtures than Smith Rowe, but... I really think Smith-Rowe is a good option too. If you don't believe in Gallagher, then Smith-Rowe will be my choice for as a budget mid. Okay. I just want to quickly address uh, Wilf Zaha, who features in some of these questions. I do think Gallagher is still the better pick. I don't think, similar to what I said about Saka and Iyasa a few weeks ago, I don't see how Zaha justifies the additional amount. His underlying data is actually not as good as Gallagher's. So if you combine a non-pen XG and expected assist, Zaha is underperforming compared to Conor Gallagher. Zaha's numbers are inflated by the penalties he's taken. As we've seen this season, penalties are not as frequent. Add to that, Zaha's not great on bonus. Gallagher got all three bonus from last week's game. They both scored a goal and Gallagher gets full bonus. Zaha didn't get a single bonus point. So that's the kind of thing that would just put me off immediately. Agreed. I think Gallagher just provides more for cheaper. So I don't see why you want to you know, pay more for someone who's inferior, I guess. Yeah, and I don't, as good as Palace have been, I don't rate their attack so highly that I think you need to pay extra. But let's also talk about the other options I mentioned. Jared Bowen, Callum Hudson-Doy, Max Cornet. Callum Hudson-Doy, for me, I just don't think he's going to be nailed. It's Chelsea, they rotate. They have the highest rotation of any team in the league. So I'm not going to sign up for that with somebody who I know is not nailed, at least with the defenders. I I would say there's enough upside, I think, to overcome the rotation, at least I feel. I I wouldn't sign up for that with Callum Hudson-Doy. Yeah, I think um, with all the Chelsea meets right now, I think they're all kind of in the same position. Some, uh, I think one of them, you know, they mentioned even Ruben Loftus-Cheek and stuff. None of them are nailed. Even Mount, who we thought would be nailed. Now, that could be because of their teeth issue, right? I think uh, most of you have seen the video. Uh, have you seen the video, Siva? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, uh, he removed his wisdom tooth and uh, there's a video of himself in the car, like all high on <laughs> stuff. But yeah, so there is a reason why he was dropped. That said, um, I've mentioned this before, but it seems Tuchel 
if your replacement is doing well, Tuchel is not in a rush to bring you back, no matter how important you may be to the team. Right? We saw that with Chilwell and Alonso. We, we see it all the time, you know. If your replacement is doing well, I, he lets them start again and things like that. So Mount should be back, but I can't say it with 100% certainty. If he's nailed again, I think Mount is the only Chelsea mid I would consider. But right now, I think you're better off just going for Chilwell and James. I mean, like Tuchel said, he treats them as a mid. They're scoring, they're assisting, they're keeping clean sheets, and they're cheaper than most of them. So, yeah, that's my view on Chelsea midfielders. Yeah, Hudson Roy is pretty cheap. I can see that's the only uh, argument for him. But no, I mean, you've got Chilwell and James who've got the benefit of clean sheet points as well. Christian Pulisic scored midweek. He scored the winner for USA against Mexico. I saw him. He came on five minutes. He scored the goal. Plus, Lukaku is back. Yeah, Lukaku's back. So that moves, that may move Harvard to the wings. You know, all these kind of things. So. Yeah, you got Ziyech, you got Werner, you got all these guys. It's just, it's too much competition. And I think we're going to have 10 game weeks in the next 40 days. So yeah, you want to sort of pick your gambles. And I don't think Callum hudson Roy is the guy you want to gamble with. The other guys, Max Corney, Jarabone. Jarabone, for me, game week 16, he's in. Like, that is a perfect run to start off. But I see no rush to get him in now. West Ham fixtures are mixed. Man City next week, Chelsea the week after, two weeks after that. Max Corney, Sam? I just want to point out that I did um, talk about Jarabone last week before anyone else did. <laughs> okay. So, you know, just, just blowing my own horn a bit, I guess. I did point out that he, you know, is, has been really doing really well. I, same with you. I think the fixtures right now is not worth... I st- I'm still keeping Antonio, but definitely not worth doubling up, you know, for these tough fixtures. So, but after that, once the fixtures turn, definitely um, may look into Bowman. Yeah. So those who still own Rafinha, his fixtures turn at game week 16 with a bad run, starts off with Chelsea. Bowman's fixtures go good the same week. So I think that's a very easy switch. Yeah. I'm looking to, you know, either Bowman or I may jump into ESR by then. So Could do. Let's see. Yeah. Um, about Corne, um, I think it's still just Burnley. As good as he is, as much as he has changed the team, it's still Burnley. So I, not to say it's a bad pick, but I think there are better picks like Gallagher, ESR. Yeah, agreed. And for underlying data, he's still not up to the mark. Granted, it's limited minutes, but he's not at the level of Gallagher Bowen just yet. So yeah. Probably a wait and see, I think, for now. Quick fire round, Sam. We've got Carrick Lowe with some nice questions here to just sort of rattle through. City asset. Which city asset should he keep the longest? He has Jesus, Foden, and Cancelo. Sam, why do you take this? Cancelo, right? I think until he's dropped, he shouldn't be dropped from your team. Uh, absolutely amazing against United. And I was so happy to see Cancelo play well against United because midweek he got those three assists and uh, straight on Twitter saying, look, you know, I see people benching Cancelo against United, I, I, which I couldn't understand. Jao Cancelo, who's basically De Bruyne, but he gets assists. That's what we talked about, you know, a few weeks ago. And exactly what what he did against United. Yeah, but Jesus definitely. and Foden, Sam. I think for the rest of them, it's hard to say, right? As long as they are considered first choice by Pep, keep them. Pep seems to be rotating less this year. I don't know if you noticed it. Jesus, I think, has started almost every game, right? Foden has started... Uh, almost every game that he's available. But how long will this last? I don't know. So until things change, um, I think easy to keep both of them. But the fixtures are so good. I mean, just looking at it now, right? They're run until Christmas. Everton, easy. It's an easy fixture now. I don't know why it's three on the FDR. It's a green fixture. I'm sorry. Just because Spurs couldn't do well. I think Everton's a good fixture. West Ham at home, okay, that's a bit hard. Villa away, I mean, unless Gerard does miracles, you know, 2nd December is not that far away. I think Villa away is a good fixture. So Watford. I'm going to stop you there because I think all fixtures are easy for City except for Chelsea and Liverpool. doesn't matter who they're playing. Yeah, why am I wasting my time anyway? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's City, man. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm scared of Foden every time I watch him and I don't own. And I, I, I yeah, if you've got these guys, just hold on and just, yeah, ride with it. Cheap mids, Connie Gallagher, you see we talked about those. Cheap forwards, okay. So, and he's talking about Callum Wilson here too, Sam. So, Carrick asking about Wilson, Wood, Benteke, King. Let's talk about budget forwards. You own Callum Wilson, so... Is Wilson the, considered a budget forward though? I say mid-price, yeah. Okay, I, I prepared something for Wilson, right? I'm a big Wilson fan. 
Um, those of you who listen to the pod will know I brought him in like a few weeks ago before the hype. So, so yeah, now you all are getting to it. And I, I fear that it's going to repeat. The Vadi situation will repeat. Vadi was doing good for me until all of you guys brought him in and then boom, Vadi blanks for a few weeks in a row. <laughs> I fear that with all the attention Wilson is getting, he's going to start to blank now. But anyway, I think, so a lot has been said online um, about how Wilson will reunite with Hulk. I have done some research too. So, okay, go ahead. let's let's look back at their last stint, right, in um, Bournemouth. So Eddie Howe usually plays 4-4-2 or sometimes 4-4-1-1, which is perfect for Newcastle. Wilson and St. Maximin up top. So in their first season, so Wilson has had a lot of injuries um, during that time in Bournemouth. So he hasn't really had a consistent season up until 2018-2019. And that's the year where he really exploded. I think he had 14 goals and 9 assists in 29 starts. So again, 29, you know, he was injured for a few games. Um, he had less than 3,000 minutes that year. Um, and only one of those goals were a pen, right? So if 14 goals, 9 assists. He had an XP of 14.8, which placed him at the 6th uh, highest in the league that year. He had an XG per 90 of 0.53. So again, if you minus out the games you're injured, he actually is the 4th highest XG per 90 that year. He had actually the same XG per 90 as Harry Kane. Um, and the only players who were above him were Aguero, Aubameyang, and Vardy. And then if you take, um, it's not only goals, right? He even provides assists, um, 9 assists that year. And XG plus XA per 90 of 0.7, which again placed him 6 in the entire league. So a really great year that year. If um, how can unlock this version of Wilson again. And that's not to say he has been poor, right? Because even in the past few years, he has been doing pretty well. Last year, he had 12 goals and 6 assists, which is, you know, pretty decent for a Newcastle team. So, but if he can go back to the 18-19 season, I think things will be really great. And they have pretty decent fixtures coming up. Um, Brentford, after that, Arsenal. So that may be a bit tough, but then Norwich and Burnley after that. Then they go on a bad run. So that's when maybe... <laughs> I guess with Wilson, for me, it's an easy hole for me, right? But I'll probably have to get him out by, you know, uh, I think in 17, he plays Liverpool, then City, United, Everton, all back-to-back. So that's a tough run there. For you guys who are fresh to bring him in, I don't know if I would advise you to bring him in right now, but maybe just keep your eye on him. Last thing I just want to say is that um, in Eddie Howe's first Newcastle interview, he said, we love to attack, be front foot, play with speed. And then he talked a bit about the team and blah, blah, blah. But it seems that he would um, follow the same philosophy that he did play with Bournemouth. And Bournemouth was famous for attacking well, but not being good defensively. They considered a lot, but they scored a lot. So it seems they will be heading that way again. But we can't say that for sure. Because um, apparently during his this year, when uh, this few, two years, I think, since he, was, um, he didn't have a job, he went to Atletico Madrid and learned you know, from from Diego Simeone, who is a very defensive-minded manager, so maybe he is trying to change that part of his managerial, um, you know, side of him. So we'll see. It's still too early to tell. We have to see a few games, but definitely I am very encouraged by Wilson. So to sum up, Sam, because you already own Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> no, well-researched, and I, I do I think that there's a lot more to Wilson than just the green fixtures that he has right now and the new manager. I think his underlying stats aren't that bad. His underlying stats before the season were pretty good. And something that Callum Wilson has always been a consistent returner, even at Newcastle, under supposedly the most defensive manager that's ever walked the earth, Steve Bruce. He's got four goals this season already in seven starts. Could have been five if not for Sanchez kicking him at the end of last week. So if he had scored last week, I honestly don't think we'd even be having this conversation. It'd be one of those, you know, people just get him in anyway. Because he hasn't. So we're, we're here discussing it and whether Newcastle, bad attacking side, so therefore avoid them. New manager, who knows what he's going to do. Brentford, Norwich and Burnley. Three home games in the next four. You know Newcastle at home are a force, right? They, all their performances this season, their good ones, typically have been at home. They start off strong, they fade away. But against Spurs, right, he scores within, what, five minutes. Against West Ham, he scores within two minutes. 
I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he scores against this Brentford side who are losing games week after week. I think it's now four defeats in a row. They look like they're low on confidence. They've got injuries in their back line. They don't have their, their regular keeper. New guy looks a bit nervous. I mean, just, I mean, I honestly can see Calamuson scoring a few here. I hope so. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess my advice would be if you have Wilson, definitely hold, right? No reason to sell. If you're on wildcard and you want to take the risk, I would consider Wilson for the next, I don't know, five, five weeks. Then you might have to move him on. But on a free transfer, I think uh, I would rather use my transfer elsewhere. Because uh, there's there are other options like you know Gallagher, ESR, getting two Chelsea mids, um, defenders, sorry, and stuff like that. That I think is more important than bringing Wilson in right now. Interesting. I don't know, Sam. I really don't know. I get that the the Red Sea of fixtures between seventeen and twenty puts people off. But when you look at it closely, seventeen is bad against Liverpool. Eighteen is bad against City. Nineteen against United. That's not a bad fixture. Nineteen at home at Saint James Park. I don't think that's a bad fixture. Twenty Everton away. I don't think that's a bad fixture. So two red fixtures. Arsenal away in game week 13. Okay, yeah, we're, we're getting better. But Josh King should have scored last week. Uh, Leicester could have scored a few goals, you know, the week before that. So we're not the best defense in the country. Yeah, you could just bench him for, you know, game week 17, 18 against Liverpool City and then continue playing for the rest. Uh, the biggest risk with Callum to me is just the injuries. Because he, when fit, he's a bit like Antonio, right? When he's fit, he's the talisman. He runs the team. And he's on pens, which, okay, there aren't that many pens this season, but he's definitely taking them when he gets them. I generally don't think you can get three better fixtures than Brentford, Norwich, and Burnley right now. At least, okay, Burnley, not going to be great, but Brentford and Norwich, both poor form at home. It's it's hard to argue against Callum and you know he's going to start all these games. You can't say the same for even the Chelsea defenders you talked about. You can't say the same for Jota, Ford, and any of these other options you're thinking about this week. True, true. That's a valid point. Um, yeah, maybe I'm just trying to discourage people from bringing him in so I can keep him all to myself. I think so, mate, because you made no sense. You, you gave like a 20 minute dissertation about how he's such a good player. And then you ended up by, if you don't have him, you know, maybe you don't bring him in now, which makes no sense. I think it's, it's just those two fixtures, right? So you bring him in now, but you're going to have to bench it for two weeks in a row in five weeks time. Yeah, well, it's five weeks time, mate. Who, who, you know, what, what could happen to the world in five weeks time? They might have set up a second Super League. So get... <laughs> true, true. Well, they might be sacked by then. Oh, thank God, nah, please. I don't think that's happening. But anyway, I guess, I guess, looking at it this way, right? It depends on your team. Uh, boring answer. We said it so many times, but it really does. If you have fires elsewhere, you know, Wilson's not a priority. But if your thing's perfect and your number one, you know, priority to transfer out right now is a uh, forward and you would you know have money for a mid-price replacement then Wilson is the best in my opinion forwards are kind of dire right now I think right not many good choices yeah agreed which is why I still think somebody like Wilson who has been ticking over despite you know not great fixtures despite playing in a bad team I think he's perfect for this Let's go with the captaincy. I think we've, we've spent so much of these last few weeks talking about Callum Wilson. We've got to move on. So let's talk about captaincy, <laughs> Sam. Callum Wilson propaganda machine. Yeah, it's propaganda machine, which you're now trying to roll back, but it's not going to work, mate. Let's, let's talk about captaincy for a quick, you know, for a short while. Salah's obviously the overwhelming favorite because even since that massive haul at United, he's slowly taking over. He's getting assists, assist against West Ham, assist against Brighton. That didn't but, count, man, the assist. I mean, it shouldn't. He didn't do anything. He got tackled for the foul. And, but I, I did tweet about this a few weeks ago. My dream assist is Salah just passing the ball to Trent for a free kick. Yeah, it's painful to watch as someone who had Trent. I mean, who does not have Trent, right? Yeah, but I can, I can only imagine if it had not been Salah who made that pass. He gets tackled and then Henderson makes the pass. Oh my God, I cannot imagine the meltdown. But I wonder, does that assist cloud people's judgment? Because everybody's captaining Salah this week. Supposedly, Arsenal... I mean, everybody seems to also own Ramsdale. So presumably you all think we're not the worst defense in the country. So why is Salah captaincy like not even a debate this week? Because he's the best player in the country. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I have Ramsdale and Salah. I probably will still captain Salah this week. Um, not that Arsenal is bad, right? But I definitely, it's not like I, I bought Ramsdale in for this fixture alone. You know, brought him for a long period of fixtures and he's done really well. But... You know, Salah is still Salah, I think. 
he's shown that he can do the you know he can do it against the best goal and assist against City goal against Chelsea I can't see past Salah now that said I think of um, the previous weeks this would be a week where I'm okay with going for someone else because um, just because of the fixture I guess but who though who would you trust with your captaincy this week whose name is not Salah Kellen Wilson <laughs> no I mean no I mean I love Kellen Wilson but no so who are you thinking of Siva or for all your talk you're still going to captain Salah anyway aren't you <laughs> I, re- I really don't want to and it, this is another one of those decisions right if I didn't know about effective ownership you hate effective ownership but I got to talk about it if I didn't know about that I would not captain Salah this week it's purely because he's going to have again 100% you know over effective ownership and that's just such a pain to try and fight against because if you bet against it and you go wrong like it went wrong against you know everybody who bet against him against United it's such a massive rank fall that I just don't want that stress. Whereas if I captain him like all, you know, you know, everybody else, at least then I'm, you know, I'm not fighting that battle and I've got all my other players who can then go and score me points. So it's a really, really pessimistic, boring, depressing way to think about it. But it's just, I think, for peace of mind to have, you know, a nice weekend, I'm just going to captain Salah. I don't like it because I have, I have Cristiano Ronaldo and I've kept him for this week. He's against Watford, who are probably one of the worst teams in the country. They are missing Ozan Tofan. They are missing... Kuchka. So basically, their central midfield that's been playing since Ranieri started, both of those midfielders are not playing. Uh, one suspended, one injured. They're already a bad team. So I, I expect Ronaldo to score a few goals. You know, he's had a, a bad international break, so he'll be in a bad mood. I think he'll want to score some goals. He's been taking over nine goals in 12 appearances for United. So I, I expect him to score goals, but I just I just feel like I don't want to fight against this, this massive wave of Salah captains. And if he scores two goals, which I don't think is impossible... He's a good player. Arsenal, like I said, conceded so many chances against Leicester. I yeah, really just want... has been keeping you guys, I think, with clean sheets. Yeah, but I mean, if you told me that Salah would score two goals against Arsenal, I would believe that. Like, we could lose 2-1 and he could score two goals. Like, I, I can... He's up against... against any team right now. You know what I mean? Yeah, but especially even against... I mean, Arsenal in particular, because he'd be probably up against Tavares. I don't know if we'd start Tierney. Although he played well during the break, he hasn't been playing for us recently because of injury. So there's some uncertainty there. Tavares is not really that experienced, so I don't think he'd be up for this challenge. Tierney's got his usual injury issues if he's fit. It's just, it's a lot of uncertainty that we haven't been tested by a proper, proper top-tier team since, you know, the last time we played a top-tier team was Man City and you all saw what happened there. So I just, it just feels like a lot to bet against and it's at Anfield, it's Liverpool, they can score against anybody they will want to put right, you know, what went wrong against West Ham. So I feel like that is one battle I don't want to have. And that way I can enjoy the rest of my plays who are all effectively differentials. All of them are under 100% effective ownership. Ronaldo is really low owned. So even if he hauls, I'm still going to do pretty well from that. Yeah. I think my view on EO is that I don't care about EO, right? But this, it's more like I just look at my team and captain who I feel has the best chance of scoring the most. And right now, just based on Salah's performances, right? Ignoring EO, he still is the most informed player in the league, in the world, maybe. You know, he hasn't blanked since game week two, (laughs) which is insane. I think he's on course to reach like 400 points this season or something like that, if he keeps up the current rate he's going. So just even ignoring EO, Salah is the best player in the league, most informed he can score against anyone. So I'm still captaining Salah. Now, the danger about EO, right, is that it can go the other way. You can also think, like, I need a differential. Everyone is captaining Salah. I'm going to purposely captain someone else for the sake of being different. Despite me thinking that, you know, inside, you still feel that Salah is the best option, but you want to captain someone else just for the sake of being different. And that's a bad trap to fall in, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. I think last season, I'm quite sure there was a week where everybody captained Bruno and I for... An inexplicable reason, Captain Sun against Leicester. And I honestly, I, I mean, looking back, I can't even justify it. I look forward now, I can't look at it. I would just look at, you know, expected points on uh, FPL Review. Uh, they predict uh, these things and they have Salah top. Most bookies odds have Salah either first or second. So it just feels like there isn't enough of a justification to bet against him. He scored against City, he scored against Chelsea. I think I'll wait for, you know, a day when it's safe 
to take that bet. And I just don't think this is the week for it. And I think it's easier to justify it to yourself if you genuinely thought someone else was going to score more. Do you know what I mean? Like, you genuinely thought, say, Foden is going to score more than Salah this week, so you put a captain on Foden. And if he doesn't, then at least you followed your gut, right? But if you did it just for the sake of being different, and then he doesn't, I think that would just ruin your whole week. It's happened to me before, I think. Uh, last year, I did a few times, just like how you said you did. It really ruins a game week. And on that note, <laughs> let's finish off with the mini league 307v8j, all small letters. I just want to shout out one person this week. First in our mini league, top scorer this game week as well. Jonathan Chu from England, an Arsenal fan. Respect. OR my, of. My cousin's name is Jonathan Chu. Is this your cousin, sir? I don't know. Is he? He's not in England, though. He's here in Malaysia, but. Maybe, you know, maybe you could he could change your, your, your nation in FPL. What kind of horrible person would take away the okay the, you know not want to be Malaysian with it? Okay, let's let's look. He's got a live rank of one k in the world. He My potential bench, cousin. Yeah. Okay, so your potential cousin bench boosted Sam last week, and I, how Whoa. dare you bench boost in a single game week? This alleged Arsenal fan who has Ramsdale bench boosted Foster eleven points, Livermento six, Antonio two, Adam Armstrong nine. Wow. As good a bench boost as you can get, I think, in a single game week. And he had a game week score of 83, game week rank of 83. In the world, 83 in the world, game week score of 103 points. It's crazy. I don't think I've seen a game week rank of like below 100 before. That's quite crazy. I mean, of course they exist, but I don't think I've seen one. Okay. I certainly have never had a game week score higher than 1,000, I think. That was like my yeah. best. I think so. And it's just, you got to admire his... So brave to play a bench boost in a single game week to begin with. And I look at the bench and I don't think like it screams bench boost to me. Ben Foster against Arsenal, definitely not. Livermento against Villa, okay, maybe. Antonio against Liverpool, hell no. Adam Armstrong against Villa, okay. I mean, nothing has shouts bench boost, but hey, well played, mate. Yeah. Um, current rank of 1k, so doing really well. And a, and a solid team, you know. Sometimes with this like one week teams, they have weird, you know, weird fellas inside. But he has a proper solid team that will carry him for the rest of you the know, next few weeks. So, yep. good on you. Ramsdale, Trent, James, Cancelo, ESR, Bomo, Foden, Salah, Rafinha. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a proper teammate. Congrats. Anything else, Sam? No, I think that's it. That's it for today. All right. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, sorry we took a long break, but we needed it. Hope you enjoyed the break as well. Yeah, good luck. Sorry for my 15 minutes, Killen Wilson dissertation. Yeah, I'm going to have fun trying to edit that. <laughs> Anything else, sir? Yeah, get some green arrows, guys. Um, and we'll see you a lot this next few weeks because there are, what, 10 game weeks in this next month. So. Oh, the fun. Cheers.